Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Chris, did you do a top five ranking of his co-workers? Oh. <laughs> but we're out of time. Out of time. Well, come back to us next week. You think week. about that when you're driving home. I, I will. Okay? I will. All right. Florio's, Florio's five. If Don't you worry. want to put me at two instead of one, I I, I would understand. You're in the top two for sure. Okay. Florio's honorable mention. Who the hell can deal with him? I mean, can you? they need to pay me more. I have to talk to them four times a week for two hours each time. That's <laughs> torture. Seriously? Seriously. Really? Hey, what up? <laughs> and and you know th- this is the the control room starting to try to stir crap because I otherwise would have never known that because I don't listen to your podcast yeah. so I would have never been aware that that conversation ever happened so there is someone in the back who is trying to stir something brown and smelly as it relates to me and you they're trying to cause trouble. Chris, I know how this game goes. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, they're trying to cause a little trouble. That that's that's what they do. I mean, you know, again, they do work with you. We know you. We know how you know how that game works there, Slugger, Mr. Oh, yeah, trouble because, Starter. Because because anytime there is some sort of technical malfunction, I rant and rave and curse and scream no. and never let it go for days after the fact. That's me, not you. That's me no. that does that. No. You're the one who sits there and acts like it's no big deal and you're ready for anything and you're unaffected and people are amazed that you weren't more freaked out by the fact that you know your camera was down or you had to shift to Zoom and you didn't react at all and you were perfectly calm. That's you. I'm the one who loses my SH blank T whenever the slightest thing happens. I got it. I understand. Yeah, yeah, you you do. I mean, listen, that's one area. Okay, I got a notch up on you there. There's no doubt. <laughs> Everything else, you take the cake. Sorry, sorry. We got text just messages. A, just a notch? We got, yeah, just a notch. We got text messages and a lot of other evidence to back up my point. So don't don't you worry. But, yeah, uh, uh, it was a fun little exercise. You know, Paul's always got these, like, you know, quarterback questions for me and doing all these type of things, our quarterback trivia. Uh, so that was just a little fun moment. But, you know, Kristen in the control room, definitely number one coworker. You're somewhere after that. Now you've learned. Now you've learned definitely. Uh, how, definitely. how to do it the right way. You know it. Um, okay, let's move on. Yeah. Rob Gronkowski, finding ways to create news in only the way that Rob Gronkowski can. We talked yesterday, and we, we never really – wagered anything because i know you're never going to make good on it so i don't even bother anymore i think julian edelman is coming back at some point i don't think the retirement is final you think it's final rob gronkowski approached by one of the roving band of tmz reporters after landing i think in la at the airport was asked about whether or not julian edelman is going to eventually land with the tampa bay buccaneers let's let's witness the sound and the sight of Rob Gronkowski talking about Julian Edelman. 
Is there any chance that he ends up in Tampa Bay with you guys next year? Has there a 69% chance. <laughs> yeah. A 69% chance? Where are you getting that number from? Can I ask? Uh, that's just you asked if there's a chance. I give you a number. <laughs> All right. Look, do you think he can stay? He has another year in him. Yeah. You do. He'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. You heard it from the man, the man who knows him, the man who has worked with him, played with him, surely has his text number and ta- and I assume can thumb out some messages and get some messages. I, I think that even though it's Gronk being Gronk at first, and, and I like how the guy feigns ignorance as to why Gronk gave the number he gave. I mean, he may as well wear that number, but uh, later he'll be back. He'll definitely be back. I Hey, look, I look for any evidence that bolsters my beliefs, and Rob Gronkowski gave me that evidence in that response. He thinks he's coming back, Chris. I think he's coming back. Well, I, you know, again, it's great, okay? Uh, he doesn't know that. Uh, he does not, you know? And, yes, we can have a little friendly wager on this. I mean, I pay up my wagers. I ate the damn uh, – actually, it wasn't even a wager. I just did that out of the goodness of my heart and ate your damn chocolate pretzel and all that. That's not a wager. So, the wager is the steak dinner that you owe me from three years ago. Right. Well, I mean, okay, you got to come – you got to come back up to the office at some time, and then I can I can pay you back. All right, so that'll happen. I didn't forget about that. Don't be a jerk. But all right, no. Go ahead. Regardless, getting back to that, I, I just feel like it's got a. This has got a different tone. Uh, I, and again, I know Gronkowski. He knows that Edelman's the ultimate competitor, and he's probably to a degree thinking, yeah, that you know this is something where if he can get back healthy, he'll want another crack at it or whatever else. But you know, again, like Rob Gronkowski didn't have that type of moment when he left football where he sat down and I'm retiring and shed tears and really fought them back and do all that because he knew there was a chance he might come back. I think this is one with Julian Edelman, again, to, to his own quote, the wheels have fallen off. He has a blown tire. From everything I know, just even last year, it was Strugglesville for him to play when he did play. I mean, it was a real, like, I got to manage my knee and leg, you know, every minute of the day. So in my heart of hearts, again, we can go double or nothing on that steak dinner. I think it's over for Julian. I don't think he's got anything more in the tank. Let me ask you this question then. Why didn't he retire? Why, why, Why was he released by the Patriots? He could have just retired and they put him on the reserve retired list. He ended up being released by the team, failed physical designation, free to sign with another team. So if the Buccaneers would want him and he would want to play for them, no complications, no draft pick compensation for the Patriots like they had to do for Rob Gronkowski, who was never playing for the Patriots again. They got something for Gronk's rights because he was on the reserve retired list. Why wouldn't Edelman, if he truly is retired and never coming back, why wouldn't he just go on the reserve retired list? Well, okay, one, maybe they don't they look at it and go wait even if he does go somewhere else he doesn't have much to offer maybe they know that like he's he's you know banged up goods but two you know and again i don't know the answer to this i i i, I you know i wish i maybe would have looked this up a little bit or thought thought about this but is there there's got to be some benefit to the patriots with him doing that contractually too no i mean is there something I don't think there's any there's I don't think nothing there's any. there that the benefit- benefits them the benefit is put him on the reserve retired list because if he ever wants to come back, that team that wants him has to go through you. The benefit is putting him on the reserve retired list. And if you're going to have this big production at Gillette Stadium capped with Foxborough forever and he says he's retiring a Patriot and he's never playing again, there's no reason not to go on the reserve retired list. There's yeah, no so reason there's, not to. There's, no, there's nothing that gets kicked down the, the road as far as salary, anything like that. I mean, no, he, yeah. it's done. It's over. He doesn't yeah. get paid anymore. Either uh, way, he doesn't get paid anymore. I don't have an answer. I don't I don't know. I don't know why they did that. I figured there was some reason just as far as balancing checkbooks or whatever else that made sense for the from the Patriots aspect to do that. But no, I mean, listen, that's a good question. I don't know either. I don't, I don't know what that means. If he does join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it would be presumably at some point later in the season, closer to the end of the run, have him ready for the postseason if it does happen. Until then, nothing stops him now from hanging out with Tom Brady and possibly joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers players who will be with Tom Brady working out at the local high school. If you if you work out at the team facility, Jules can't be there. If you work out wherever, 
Jules can be there, just like some thought Antonio Brown was there last year for those off-site workouts. And, Chris, something that occurred to me last hour after we talked about the reality that the Buccaneers are one of the three teams that have joined in this boycott, and I wished I thought of it at the time. Pete said we can swing back to it now because, what the hell, we got another hour to kill. We have other things to get to. But there's some next-level genius potentially going on with Tom Brady here because he knows if there's no off-season workout program – his team's going to benefit because he's going to get his guys together and they're going to work just like they did last year. And this year especially, Pete made this point. Look at their division. Saints, new quarterback. Panthers, new quarterback. Falcons, new coach, new GM. We don't know what's going on there. If all teams in the division shut down their offseason program and the Buccaneers can manage to get guys together and work it like they did last year, they have a net strategic advantage going into the season. It makes it easier for them to be ready. There could be some ultra-next-level genius going on here for the Buccaneers in trying to get other teams to shut down their off-season programs. I mean, I don't think Brady cares either way because of what you talked about. Like, he's just going, wait, we're, I'm gonna get, we're going to get our work in. We're going to do what I got to do. You know, and listen, he is coming off knee surgery to where – I don't know how much he could do right now at this point, anyways. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I would like to join in on your conspiracy, but I don't think he was. I don't think he was part of like the player reps on the Bucks to go like, hey, let's make a decision, guys. You know, let's not show up. You don't think they talked to him? I don't, don't know. I don't him? know. I don't know. They if had they to. Did. He's the. He is the team. He's the guy. He's Bucko Bruce now. Of course they're going to talk to him. I, I mean, maybe. I don't think he cares either way. I think he's just going to go with the flow and then just go, okay, it's time to practice and I'll meet you at the field or whatever. They're going to figure it out on the go. But, like, to your other point, Mike, I think that that is real. And we talked about this last year. It's, it's you know, it's one, it was one of my big talking points to start the year. I always thought. With a year with no offseason and things like that, the teams with the really great quarterbacks are going to have a great advantage once again. You know, yeah, they're set in place. The workouts you mentioned, you know, the offense itself, you know, oh, hey, we got a great quarterback. He'll be able to make up for the missed time and do things like that. You know, the defense is not being where they should be in complexity and all those things. Favors the great quarterbacks with that, too. So uh, there's definitely an advantage there for, for teams and, and people that are in the situation Brady and the Bucks are in. Last point real quickly. I had forgotten about the knee surgery, but if he's not able to go until June anyway, and Bruce Arians has said he'll be ready for some seven-on-seven seven work in June, may as well shut it all down. Maybe. If he can't work. Right. Go ahead. Everybody stand down. I can't get in my work. Let's hope no one else gets in their work either. So I just think there's a stew of agendas and motivations that that will go into this analysis, and it's far more complicated than what meets the eye. All right, the NFC East meets the eye with the worst division in football from last year. We've been doing draft needs. Today is NFC East and NFC East only. We'll do AFC East tomorrow. The NFC East teams, and let's begin with the Dallas Cowboys. Even though they didn't win it, everybody thinks they're going to. The Cowboys with the 10th pick in the draft. They can't leave the draft weekend without what, Chris? Well, I mean, this one's easy as far as Dallas is concerned. I mean, it, it, we know it's defensive side of the ball, right? We've talked about that a little bit over the last few weeks. It could really be anywhere, you know, on the defense for the most part. But I think, you know, the one that jumps out, something on the defensive line, a difference maker on the defensive line. they got to come out of the draft and have, you know, one player, multiple players that they feel like are going to be able to contribute to their football team going into the 2021 season. We know it was underwhelming last year. There's no doubt. You know, uh, uh, pass rusher, there's nothing that's coming off the edge there in that department. So, you know, from that standpoint, that's where I look at them. Defensive tackle, who is there that really jumps out to you about their football team? You know, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is really the only standout guy they have on their front four. And he's not that standout to where you just go, oh, man, he's such a game changer and he makes everybody better and everything like that. No. So I, I just look at them. That's where I, I look at number 10. They could have the pick of the litter as far as the pass rushers in the draft, but they got to come away with some sort of difference maker on the D-line this year. 
I did a thing yesterday kind yeah. of breaking down where the top 10 picks are going team by team, guy by guy. And there's a chance that the first nine players taken this year will be all offensive right. players. Right. And and so the Cowboys, whose needs are clustered on the defensive side of the ball, it's kind of like having the first pick in the draft. You've got the run of any defensive player you want. That's why this Kyle Pitts talk is so confounding to me and I yeah. think one of the reasons it's been leaked is because there are people in the organization that are trying to keep Jerry Jones from either using the 10th pick on Kyle Pitts or trading up and giving up other assets to get Pitts when their needs are so much more obvious Chris on the defensive side of the ball so I, I agree with you especially as they you know they went from a defense that wasn't suited to Mike Nolan. They made changes last year to make it suited to Mike Nolan, and now it's Dan Quinn, and you have other needs, and you've got to have that pass rush. You've got to find difference makers, and they just don't have them on that side of the ball, No, period. they really don't. And uh, they're actually in a great spot with all that run-on quarterbacks. They don't need a quarterback. Run-on receivers, they definitely don't need receivers with the guys they have. They're, they're going to be sitting pretty at 10 if they have the discipline to avoid the temptation to take Kyle Pitts if he's even still. Yeah, there. you know, and Mike, I mean, just, you know, off of that too, I mean, in that scenario, and there is some scenarios where you could play out the, the whole mock draft thing and go, wait. You know, if this works out, I mean, Kyle Pitts could be there at number 10 for the Cowboys. Maybe they say that knowing how high he is up on everybody else's draft board, hoping that maybe somebody will swoop in and maybe want to trade to pick 10 and they can drop down a few spots maybe and still get a player or the players they want. You know, that's another possibility that certainly floated through my brain. But yes, I mean, they're in prime territory for a guy you know, for, for the two best pass rushers in the draft, for my opinion, Jalen Phillips, if we've talked about, from Miami. I mean, to me, he's got superstar potential, but there's that concussion issue. If it's not him, I would think it's Quiddy Pay from Michigan. And they're, they're difference makers. And again, you know, getting back to our old Seattle scheme conversation, I mean, we know all teams like pass rushers, but this is a scheme that there is more emphasis on the wide nine and come off the edge, and we don't worry about you know the run game quite as much, and we want to get just four after the quarterback and play seven in zone and do all that. You know, to me, it's imperative to make this system work, and I got to think the Cowboys are thinking that to help out Dan Quinn. They don't have a veteran presence at backup quarterback, and. And we learned last week there can be a disconnect between the official online roster and who really is under contract. But the roster right now shows Ben DiNucci, Garrett Gilbert, and Cooper Rush behind Dak Prescott. Yeah. Do they need a developmental guy with one of these draft picks? I think they're better off trying to sign a veteran. I just don't know really who's out there that could come in and, and provide the kind of support Dak Prescott needs year six in his career. Yeah, I, to me, you're, you're, you're playing with fire there a little bit. Uh, I do think so. You got this high-octane offense. Don't you want a quarterback who can, you know, if Dak Prescott, let's just say, hurts the ankle just a little bit, tweaks the ankle that he's coming back from surgery with and all that, has to miss a few weeks. Don't you want a quarterback that could take advantage of all that that talent on your offensive side of the ball can deliver? You know, I mean, we saw last year Andy Dalton was good. He couldn't even deliver to the point Dak Prescott could. Uh, but I would think that that would be something maybe that they draft, kind of just get a feel for, hey, training camp. Maybe they think about it then. They might just go into the training camp in preseason and go, let's see, maybe these guys can do it. And if not – you get to the end of training camp, and then they sign one of the veterans that gets cut or something like that. You know, I'm looking at the list of available veterans, and, you boy, uh, not a lot of options no, pretty out there. Much Alex Smith, I think Alex Smith wants a play, but uh, he may be a guy that, that you think about from the standpoint of having a veteran presence in the event that Dak Prescott would have an issue with the ankle. New York Giants, 11th overall pick, right behind the Dallas Cowboys. Six picks in all, tied for third fewest in the draft. What do they have to get? Your Giants, Chris, the your G New York Man. Giants. Yeah. What do they need? Well, I, I mean, you know, first off, like, the Dow I mean, the Giants are an inter interesting conversation. I mean, I, th I think the roster and team is a little bit better maybe than, you know, we think before you start to dive in a little bit. You know, I hear people say, they, hey, I think they might need a receiver and all that. No way. They don't need a receiver. 
I mean, they got Galladay. Darius Slayton's really good. Sterling Shepard's still real good. I mean, he's a good slot receiver, you know, and they have Evan Ingram at tight end. They're good in the past game. You know, to me, you know, could they O-line help? Certainly still a conversation, I think. You know, Nate Solder's getting up there in years. The offensive line wasn't great last year. They don't have Zeitler anymore at guard. I think, though, when it really comes down to it, I come back to some sort of edge presence. Not that they have to take him at pick, you know, I think it's 11, right, in the draft. Not that they need a pass rusher, but I do think there needs to be something on the edge there, you know, when it's third down to get, hey, we got a real, true, legit edge pass rusher to affect the quarterback on third and four plus. You know, that, that Leonard Williams is their best pass rusher, and he's not really a pass rusher. He's really a defensive tackle who's got some versatility to come out on the edge and be a handful that way. So there's a few issues I look at, but I think that's the one I look at more than other that I would think somewhere in that first three rounds, they try to make a point to get some real speed off the edge to be that guy. Their two Super Bowl teams of this century had great offensive line, great defensive line. You got to be able to create havoc. We were reminded yet again in Super Bowl 55. That's right. What it means to have a great pass rush, what it did to Patrick Mahomes. And they've loaded up so much on the offensive side of the ball. It makes sense. And they're in great position, too, especially right. if Kyle Pitts is still there at 10 and it's 10 for 10 offensive players. They've got the first pick in the draft as it relates to where their needs are clustered on the defensive side of the ball. It's this great. This is going to go very well for the Cowboys and the Giants yeah. in the top 10. No, definitely. I'm excited as a Giant fan because, you know, really, you know, you could say the edge guy like we talked about. You know, they could use another corner. Hey, James Bradbury was really good last year, but everything else as far as cover corners, it's kind of unproven. You know, yeah, they they signed, um, you know, what's his name from, from the tennis – Dory Jackson, thank you. You know, they gave him some money. But again, you could be thinking the future. There's there's that issue there. And then O-linemen, like we talked about, to your point, Mike, pick of the litter, really, you know, as far as at that point of the draft, number 11. So they should be able to get the best player available for the need they feel like they need addressed the most. And that, to me, as a Giants fan, is, is very exciting. But yeah, I, I would expect it to be an edge-type guy, too you know, there early in the draft, something, something along those lines. And we continue the run through the NFC East, 10, 11, 12 Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, man, with that 12th overall pick, what must they get? I think it's, it's probably a team. To they need they a whole don't team. Have needs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I mean, you're right. There's really not one part of the team other than I think offensive line that you could probably look at. Offensive line is the only spot I look at and go, oh, they're good. There's not like a necessity. I mean, you got Lane Johnson. They got, you know, Dillard at left tackle who got hurt last year. Brandon Book Brooks is coming back, you know, at guard. He's real good. But I, I think the, the thing I come back to more than anything, I think, Mike, and I don't know here because you said it, there's a lot of spots. I do think it's wide receiver. You know, again, not saying they got to come away with one at number 12, but I would think like, you know, a Jalen Waddle or somebody like that would certainly pique their interest there. You know, but again, there's going to be a good one there in round two at pick 37 as far as a, a, a wide receiver they can get. But they got to come away with something else at that position. That to me, I mean, Jalen Rieger was disappointing. There, there's no doubt. you, And there's not a lot else on that roster that's real special. So to me, that would probably be the one spot I look at that, like, man, they need something there badly. And they ended up at 12 by choice. They were at six. They traded down. They stockpiled a first-round pick next year, making that move down six spots. And, and again, if they're looking defense. Yeah, they draft, could be doing it, And too. they should be looking everywhere. They're in another great spot where run on offensive players, one through nine, maybe one through ten, and you're in a great spot to get a player where they, they definitely need help. And the roster just has fallen apart Ooh. in three years. They got a lot of work to do. You th you, um, are you with that there? Or you think they should go like defensive line or, or corner, best corner? I mean, because I mean, your point's real. You're no doubt about it. They can really, again, like the Giants in a way, could probably sit there and go, wait, best player available at the position we feel like we need the most. Uh, it, it's a tough call with the Eagles.
You know what I would do if I were the Eagles? I would hope and pray that one of the top five quarterbacks is still on the board and I would auction that pick and keep trading down because they are in a spot where yeah. they need to maximize their lottery tickets. Right. They need as many guys that possibly could be scratched off and turn into good players as they can get because one draft is not going to fix it. But if you can get extra picks next year, extra picks this year, go from 12 down to to 15 you know the Patriots want to spring up and get Justin Fields if he somehow slips through the cracks and is there at 12 fine what do you want to move up three spots we'll move down we'll move down we'll move down more picks more picks more picks I think that's the key more picks greater shots at finding guys who will come in and make a difference sooner rather than later so I I, th I think I'm the Eagles I'm talking to everybody drafting behind me about the possibility of trading down even farther. No, I think that makes sense. I mean, it does. It's a good thought. I think it's exactly why, you know, they traded out of that number six spot. They probably had the same logic you did. They just went, wait, one great pick is not going to fix our team. We need to get players all over our roster. We got to get younger, deeper, everything. So I think that that's why they made that move. And I wouldn't be shocked, you know, again, you know, maybe you know, they're they're sitting in a pretty good spot. You're right to where there might be some action there if if the draft falls the right way for them. Then come the defending NFC East champions, the Washington Football Team, picking 19th. Not as obviously in need of a quarterback because of the presence of Ryan Fitzmagic, as long as he stays away from Fitztragic. They have an extra third round pick from the Trent Williams trade from last year. They've done a lot in free agency to quietly make the team. <laughs> better adding receiver curtis samuel adding a cornerback guy you love in william jackson the third they throw in adam humphreys to the mix this is a team that has not gotten worse and has gotten better so far in the offseason what do they need chris in the draft more than anything else well i mean quarterback is certainly like a big red flag when you talk about washington i, I gotta think there's some thought about finding somebody for the future here with the football team to a degree you know, and again, I, I, if those one of those quarterbacks do fall, kind of like you talked about, you know, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, if they were on the board there, you know, at 11, 12, I don't know, would Washington be one of those teams that would maybe make a move? I think they're definitely going to take one if one falls to them at some point at number 20. You know, are they a team that's in the second round, tries to trade up to the early second, late first, something like that to get a quarterback? You know, I, I, I don't know. That's certainly like the big thing, but I don't think they're going to be like desperate just to make it happen. Like kind of like you talked about, they got some guys there. I think they think they can win with Fitzpatrick with the way their team's orchestrated. So yeah, quarterback's a big need, but like if we weren't going to talk quarterback, the next one to me is tackle. That, that's for sure. Like they need to find a tackle. And I would think that at pick 20, you know, if the quarterback conversation's over, right, and all the quarterbacks have gone or whatever else, that tackle would be their focus there with that pick. I mean, again, the roster pretty well built there in Washington. They're close, and they got a good guard and sheriff, but I think tackle's the one position that jumps out to me that Washington needs to address, at least in the first few rounds of the draft, for sure. And hey, look, with Scherf, who's in the second year of the franchise tag, they're not going to use a third tag on him because it becomes quarterback money. Right. That's another guy that is going to need to potentially be replaced. So at a time when they have a great defensive line, they need to be putting some assets into the offensive Definitely. line. Maybe before they have their next franchise quarterback, not after they get him. Maybe this is about laying the foundation for improving the offensive line, and then next year is the year. Yeah, depending right. Depending upon who's left. You know, right. you just don't... Who's going to be there at 19? Will there be a guy there at 19? Will someone trade up in front of Washington? Because even though Washington and Chicago signed veteran quarterbacks, I think we kind of look at them and say, yeah, they could they could be spots where that that leftover quarterback gets drafted. I just think they need to be thinking about a future when they get their franchise yeah. guy, have the infrastructure in place to protect him. I think that's the key for Washington this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. And, you know, and again, it, it's a team that I certainly got my eye on because I, I think they're – they could be really dangerous. Curtis Samuel in free agency, William Jackson at corner. You know, that's secondary now pretty good. You talked about that D-line. Oh, we added that receiver to the group and Samuel with Terry McLaurin. That's pretty good. You know, Logan Thomas at tight ends, a legit pass-catching threat. The running backs are okay. Like, Washington's on the up and up. And this is the kind of draft, too, Mike, to like what you're saying – where they could come away with – you can come away with two starting offensive linemen. It's, it's a pretty 
it's a pretty good, talented class of offensive linemen to where, you know, if, if you're smart, you might be able to really bolster that part of your football team. The Cowboys previously were the overwhelming favorites from a betting standpoint to win the division, I guess just because they're the Cowboys. I mean, I think Washington with is the team to watch, and, and it's improving. From February 9, when it was overwhelmingly Dallas at minus 125 and everyone else, well, there was Philly at plus 210. I, that can't be right. That's got, that can't, it can't have been plus 210. It was plus 210? Wow. Well, now it's plus 550 for them, and Washington is down from plus 800, and I misread the graphic because my eyes are old. New York was plus 600. So Washington went from being the long shot, despite being the defending champion, to now second at plus 270. Still a good bet. I think they're the best team clearly in that division right now. Chris, when you consider everything, what they did last year, what they've added, the presence of Ron Rivera, the addition of Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney to the front office, this move away from dysfunction. I, I, I'm with Mike. I'm I, with you. For, if, if you're a Washington fan, good. Right. Good. Keep, yeah. keep assuming that we're not going to be the champions of the division again, and then we'll just go about week in and week out showing that we're the best team in the division. I think they are as of right now. I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm there with you, too. I mean, if you made me pick right now, middle of April, who's going to win the NFC East, I'm, I'm going with Washington. I just have less questions about, you know, their football team. And really, honestly, after that, there's no way. I'm not going Dallas number two either. No way. You know, not with like Dak Prescott, not definitely going to be 100, 100% to start the year and any of that. And that defense, like, I, I got to see it to believe it. I mean, yeah, again, I know we changed the defensive coordinator. They got, they're not a highly talented defense on, in Dallas. I, I would go the Giants as the number two team. The Giants are the next team I look at to go, Man, there's some things to like there. It's a borderline top 10 defense last year. You know, I mean, but they improved their wide receivers. The tight end, Saquon Barkley's going to be back. I, to me, I would say Washington and the Giants are clearly the two better teams in the league or in that division over the Cowboys right now. The fact that the Cowboys are still the favorite just shows the value Man, of amazing. hype and right. hype and hype. And every year it's hype and hype and hype. And the Cowboys are the one team that give zero craps about the – bar being too high because yeah, every year the right. bar is high because they talk it high and it stays high and then they they fail to come even close to satisfying what it is that they need to do we need to take a break last year one running back taken in the first round Clyde Edwards Alaire with pick 32 this year will there be any worthy of first round status Chris's running back rankings when PFD live continues right after this Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Najee, Ohio State has a really good front. How are you able to expose those holes so effortlessly? Effortlessly? You can't see what they were doing. They were blowing my eyes up. What are you talking about? It wasn't effortlessly. I'll tell you what. Them dudes, they, they did their thing, bro, to be honest with you. It was just, you know, they what they did is every time we did a play action, they just shot the gaps. 
shot the gaps. The linebackers, you know, we got a couple of them to play a lot of fakes. That's why we were able to throw so much bubbles and the slants and all that. But, bro, them, they was blowing my ass up. You tripping? It was not easy. That's awesome, and I'm a huge fan of the post-game press conference in full pads. That's a guy who's savoring the moment. That's a guy who doesn't want to shed the uniform. That's the guy who's thrilled with what just happened, and he should be. Alabama beat Ohio State for the national championship, right. even though they were, as Najee Harris said, blowing my ass up. All right, uh, let's blow up the 2021 running back draft rankings as compiled by Christopher David Sims. Number one, Clemson running back Travis Etienne. Why is he your top guy? But he's the the most complete running back, most made for the NFL player running back in this draft and has it all and really has like no weakness to his game, Mike. I mean, really reminds me of a player, you know, in a lot of ways. It's a he's a Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt type of player where there's some true value in his ability to run between the tackles. You know, he can run with physicality. He does a great job of like like a Camara, kind of like not that he's going to break your ankles and do that type of stuff where the defender's going to fall over, but has great balance and stays low to the ground to where, you know, gets on the edge of would-be tacklers and spins off them or they just get a piece of his thigh and he breaks a tackle that way. Let alone when he sees a little hole, Mike, he can put the get the pedal on the metal and really burst and accelerate through a hole I think you add that to he can pass protect and he's very good in the pass game as a pass catcher and all that. To me, I think that's what makes him the best running back in the draft and he's ready to go and will start for somebody right, right away next year. You had Clyde Edwards-Alaire at number one last year, Josh Jacobs number one the year before. How does ATN compare to the top guys from the last two years? Yeah, well, like he's, he's more along the lines, I think, of a Josh Jacobs than closer to the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire type of player, but with a little different than Josh Jacobs altogether. I think he's got more to offer in the pass game, as we talked about. Maybe a little bit more of a space running back compared to Josh Jacobs, who's awesome in between the tackles and doing stuff like that. Hey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, hey, you and I saw it last year, right? That first game was good. After that was just, eh, it wasn't great. It wasn't. I mean, I think if we could do a do-over, Jonathan Taylor should have been the number one running back in the draft. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, so the thing I like about ATN compared to a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Mike, and this was the issue with Edwards-Hilaire, there's just more pure speed. You know, ATN is a guy that's going to be able to go 50 and 60 yards to the house. You know, Edwards-Hilaire, Mike, just to hit on that real quick, the one thing about him that you know, you, you really, he's a little bit of the Peter Warwick syndrome. Remember Peter Warwick from Florida State, right? And I say that because, oh, man, they're so quick and they can break your ankles and make you look silly, right, and do all that. But there's a lack of straightaway speed. So it's like, hey, I break the ankles of the first guy. And now, hey, I'm about to break the ankles of the second guy. And, hey, I'm taking off. Oh, wait, the first guy caught me from behind. I didn't go anywhere. Like, that, that to me was a, an issue. Uh, ATN's not going to have that issue. I mean, that's a great point. You get past that first guy, you got to create separation or someone's going to drag you down from They're behind. They're going to come behind. And, that's uh, right. Right. What's, what's the point of, of missing, uh, making the first guy miss if you're going to get dragged down a few yards later? You get a few extra yards, but you don't get the home run exactly. that some of these guys are capable right. of bringing. Najee Harris, we heard from him earlier. He's not going to be happy at being number four. No. Why isn't he higher? It, it's, he's a tough eval. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it wasn't easy. I'm, I'm certainly going to sit here and say to me, maybe Why? I'm, what was tough about well, it? Well, it's first off, He's he's not fast. I mean, it, it it's like I would I would I would say it's probably high four six, maybe four seven type speed, Mike. When we're talking about the forty, so you know, there's a lot of holes he runs through, and it's Alabama, and they dominate people. And you go, oh wow, that looks good. But you also got to sit there and ask yourself and go, well, damn, everybody could run through that hole. And now, okay, now he's run through that hole. What's he gonna do? He does have tremendous quickness for his size at 230 pounds. He can break your ankles and do that. But, you know, there is meat left on the bone uh, because of his inability to, I look at plays and go, that should have been a 50-yard gain. It was 25 yards. And then even for as big as he is, Mike, you know, he doesn't run with great power. He'd rather make you miss than, you know, try to run you over, put his shoulder down, drive the pile that way. That's not what he is. So, you know, I came away like thinking he was more of like a 
let's say a Gus Edwards that could catch the ball. You know, Gus Edwards with the Ravens, I think is a real good player. That's not a knock. You know, Gus Edwards with some Fred Jackson, remember him from the Bills back in the day? Like receiving skills. It's like a little bit of a combination of that. But I think ultimately just not explosive enough, Mike, for me to make him one of the top two or three running backs uh, in the draft. Do any of the guys in this year's draft, in your estimation, and this is always difficult to do because you're comparing apples and oranges to the extreme with all the different positions, but do any of them deserve to be first-rounders? Last year it was Edwards Alaire just in that last spot in round one. Do any of these guys, in your mind, deserve to be among the first-round picks? No, they do not. This is is not a first-round class. I mean, ATN is, you know, listen, borderline, certainly, you know, but... But again, you know, what this list will show you here, too, is like, I mean, some of the guys that we've seen taken late in the draft in the first round, Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, you know, that hasn't worked out all that well. It hasn't. You know, and then, of course, you got the, the, the opposite of that, where you look at some of the top five picks in the draft there with Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley. Eh, you know, Elliott's been pretty damn good, but. Uh, you know, but but you know, there's risk at this position. And no, I think with the way this draft plays out, Mike, I don't think there's any way we see a running back uh, go in the first round. No way. Dollar for dollar, spot for spot. I, I just would not use a first round pick on a running no. back unless I believed I was getting James Brown. James Brown. Well, Jim yeah. Brown. Yeah, right. Or, or Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson. Or Emmitt Smith. Right. An all-time great. But even then, even then, the one thing you don't know and the one area where you're rolling the dice is durability. Yes. You don't know what the no. durability is going to be at the next level. And, and, and if you've used a top 10 pick or even a top 32 pick on a running back, when you know that there are running backs available at every round or all the way down to James Robinson, we talked earlier about how hard it was last year for the undrafted guys to make a difference. He came in and won the starting job at tailback in Jacksonville as an undrafted guy and had a great season. You can get these running backs anywhere. When you use that yes. significant draft capital, you put yourself in a spot where you got to use the guy. Maybe you got to overuse the guy to justify it. And then he gets injured. And then why in the hell did you, did you waste a first-round pick on a guy to position where the injury rate is going to be higher because they're in, as you say, car crashes all the yeah. time? I just, it's not worth it. Get your running backs later. Where was Dalvin Cook? Round two. Where was Derrick Henry? Round two. Exactly. Where was Alvin Kamara? Round Nick three. Nick Chubb. Wait, wait, wait. Right. Exactly. Nick Chubb agreed. Wait. You know, there, 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 there's no doubt about that. And Mike, you know, the other point I want to bring up is something you said there. Yeah, I, when I evaluate running backs, listen, you got to change your thought a little bit. I'm not like the days of like, oh, does he have durability and is he going to last into his second cut? Like, no, I'm sorry. This sounds insensitive, but I evaluate these running backs to go, wait, I got them for three or four years and then we got to look for a new one. That's it. I mean, that, that's how it goes. And that's why I favored guys like Javion Hawkins from Louisville, who's 185, 188 pounds, and a guy in Michael Carter, who's at 200 pounds, because they're home run, home run hitters, Mike. They're explosive as can be. And yeah, I don't think their careers are going to be long, but I think they're going to be really impactful in a short period of time where it's going to be a lot of big plays. Like the Javion Hawkins kid from Louisville, He's Raheem Mostert or Brita, right? It's one of those guys. You know, Michael Carter from UNC, I look at him as like a Devontae Freeman for the Falcons. Yeah, their careers can be short. You know, they can fall apart quickly, but they can make a lot of big plays in that three- or four-year period to really help your team. And you mentioned Chubb, and that gets back to the point we made earlier this week about the Browns, and they're so heavy on analytics now. This is the ultimate test. Yeah. Forget what the guy's done. Forget how many fans have bought his jersey. Is it right to pay him eight figures plus per year or just roll the dice again and get a mid-level guy and hope that he works out and say, hey, we're, we're, we're playing the numbers. We're not playing the hits with our, our running back position. Let's take a break. When we return, we're going to draft the best landing spots for the rookie quarterbacks. What teams would we want to play for coming out as quarterbacks in this year's draft? We'll do that next here on PFT Live. Today marks 100 days to the Summer Olympics live on NBC. And a first, NBC's primetime coverage will come from an outdoor studio as our good friend Mike Tirico anchors wow. from a fifth floor deck with a panoramic view of the Tokyo skyline. Wow. It's Mike Tirico's first time hosting the Summer 
Olympics. Wow. 100 days away. Yeah. Christopher. That gets me excited just hearing that music. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, it gets it gets the blood boiling a little bit, and I'm, I'm excited for it. I am. I mean, it, again, it is the Olympics. It's special. I felt for those athletes last year having to push that. It's always good to see Mike Tirico hosting any event. 15 days until the 2021 NFL Draft. Justin Fields, if you haven't heard, second pro day workout today. 49ers, Falcons, Patriots, Jets, Broncos, Panthers reportedly will attend. They will incorporate drills and throws that Kyle Shanahan uses in 49ers practices because he wants to audition for the team that holds the third pick in the draft whose, whose pick is not penned in yet, just still penciled with Mac Jones. All right. Best landing spot for a rookie quarterback this year, Chris. You get the first pick. Oh, are you going to give me the first pick? Okay. I'm well, giving you the first pick. Listen, um, I, I'm going to go with the 49ers. That's going to be my first pick. It's rare that it's actually the team that likes picking a quarterback. You want to pick first to be that. But, yeah, I am. I mean, one, whoa, hey, I'm a quarterback. What? I get to go play for Kyle Shanahan and his offense? Uh, yes, please. Uh, yes, please. And yes, please. Oh, he can run the ball and he can find lots of ways to be explosive in the pass game. Where can I sign up for that? Oh, wait, he's got a great offensive line to protect me, Mr. Young quarterback. Oh, he can run the ball and play actions and boots lead to easy completions for me. And it's a damn good team and defense that was, you know, in the Super Bowl two years ago. So I'll take the 49ers as my first pick there, Mike. Thank you for that. And I, I, I just wonder, though. Yeah. It would have been my first pick, too. Okay. Given the way he runs the offense, do you really fully develop as a quarterback, though, or you, do you just become an automaton in a video game when you're the Kyle Shanahan quarterback? You know what I'm saying? Where you run the offense exactly the way he wants you to run it. No improvising, no creativity, no off-schedule stuff. You do it the way I want or someone else is going to do it. Well, y yes. I mean, you know, again, a lot of the great offensive minds are like that, you know, though, because they just go, wait, my offense is special. If you just listen to what I say and how I've orchestrated it, the results will deliver itself. So they don't want people, you know, drawing up their own plays or doing their own thing too much. But still, I think he, you know, welcomes playmaking ability. But again, maybe it's not like, again, for some reason, playmaking and potentials only become with a running quarterback. Nobody else has that. Passers don't apparently have no potential or playmaking ability. You know, he, he probably... Yeah, I'd like a guy that can make a playoff schedule every now and then, but he's probably more looking at it like, hey, I want a guy like Matt Ryan who just, you know, I made this play and he made a nice subtle move in the pocket to step up and then threw a 30-yard completion to a wide-open guy who now ran for another 30 yards after the catch. That's what he's looking for more than anything rather than a guy who could just go off script and do that stuff. And I fully appreciate the irony of my comment when I pick the Jets next, since it's going to be <laughs> the same offense in New York. But I'm a believer in what they're trying to do by way of building uh, with, with Robert Sala there as the, the head coach. And, uh, and I know it's a big spot. I know that it's going to be high expectations and it could all fall apart quickly. But they've been waiting so long for a franchise quarterback. If you've got the skills, if you've got the tools, that's a place you want to go. And that's why I think it could work for Zach Wilson if he ends up being the guy. Yeah, I, I hear you there. I do. I mean, I don't know if I would have picked that quite yet just because there's questions about the team still and all of that. Uh, but but I hear your thoughts there. I do. And I, I do think there's a lot of things to be excited about if, if you're Zach Wilson going to that team and, and the way they're going. Ooh, my next one here. You know, I'm – I'm I'm going to go with the Washington football team. I am. I mean, if I'm a young quarterback coming out in the draft, that would be a team I'd look at and go, wait, they got a lot, what we need to be successful. And yeah, okay, maybe I don't play right now this second, but you're going to look at it and go, wait, I'm a first-round quarterback. I can beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like he's, I'm, I'm going to be more talented than them. But even not, like it's going to be like, okay, right. There's not that pressure also to, to, that I need to be out there right away. I can learn from Orion Fitzpatrick and learn the NFL a little bit. So Washington certainly is a situation with the way their team's set up and the quarterback position set up that if I was coming out, I'd, I'd like that. We're not limited to first round either. It can be a quarterback taken in any round, any rookie quarterback. I'm going to go with the Panthers just because I don't believe Sam Darnold is the long-term answer. It's just the guy they've fallen in love with for now, the best available option after they tried several other things to upgrade dramatically. I get a chance to develop 
whether I'm the eighth overall pick or later in the draft, I got a chance to develop. Let Darnold do it for now. Team's gradually getting better. Brady may be retired by the time I'm the starter, and I can step in and and I can show what I can do. And the the bar will be low because I think I just I think we're going to see more of the same from Sam Darnold. It's not going to be enough for him to be the long term answer. All right, all right. I mean, it, that would be risky to me a little bit. I'd be a little scared. I mean, just I'd be scared that the team turns it around in the next year or two, and then he's the quarterback, and then you got to deal with that crap. That that would be my fear. Um, all right, mm, man, there's some good ones to pick because, like, man, I, I wouldn't be mind being drafted by the Bucks, right? I mean, okay, yeah, that talented team and Brady's one, two more years. I'm gonna go with the Patriots, though. I'm gonna go with the Patriots. Hey, the, there's a need for the position. I think you know. M- I think it'll probably be the last year of Cam Newton in there. You know, they're going to try to build around you if you are drafted by the Patriots. You know you're going to be coached well, and, of course, they've already improved their roster greatly. So I'll go with the Patriots as my last pick there. You know, I, I there's several I can choose from here. Um, I thought about the Lions just because I don't think Jared Goff is the long-term answer. Yeah. And the bar is really low. I just don't see a path out of – what we've seen for the last 60 years, or at least for the last 30 years. Not yet, at least. Yeah. I'll go Steelers. Yeah, just I like that. This is, this is Ben's last ride, right. and I know they're probably not going to take a quarterback, but he's going to be less standoffish than he would have been in past years once he gets over the fact that they didn't use that pick on a guy that's going to make them better this year. But you got a chance to get ensconced, and you got a chance to take over in 2022, Chris. I, I hear that. The Steelers were one of the teams I had written down as well. It, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, of course, they got a defense and everything like that, too, to go along with it. All right, we'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. We talked about the Cowboys earlier, Chris, and their needs on the defensive line. They announced or reported or whatever. They're not bringing Alden Smith back this year. He had a nice start to his return season after five years out of football last year. Kind of tailed off. I think he was never quite in the kind of shape he'd been in in the past. Reportedly visiting the Seahawks today. That could get very interesting if he can get himself into that kind of more lean body type that we saw early in his career and if he can play like he did in September. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, they're, they're looking for bodies at that position up in Seattle. There's no doubt. And Alden Smith, I mean, at the very least, yeah, there's still pass rush value. And he's, he's a big, strong force still, nonetheless. And Seattle, you know, like the Baltimore Ravens, is always in the business of, like, pillaging the biggest, baddest dudes on the planet. So I'm not shocked by that. But, uh, yeah, that's a need for, for the Seahawks. He had a great game against Seattle last year. They tried to trade for him before the deadline. The Cowboys said no. Now Smith is available to sign with the Seahawks. That's it for today. Have a great one. See you tomorrow. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.